Gene Valentino's Grassroots Podcast. He tells the truth. He tries to get information out there to make sure people make good, informed decisions. With breaking news and political commentary from a public servant, serial entrepreneur, community leader, philanthropist, and American patriot, and a darn nice guy, it's time for the Grassroots Truthcast and your host, Gene Valentino. Hi, friends, and welcome back for another episode of Gene Valentino's Grassroots Truthcast. You know, we try to bring, bring people on from different walks of life, social, political, financial, business, economics side of things. And in this journey, we find so many interesting people worthy of our time, your time and attention. We have the privilege of having former ambassador Carla Sands with us and a tr Donald Trump appointee who is now has a very interesting background. Hello, Ms. Sands. How are you? Hi, Gene. I'm great. Thank you. And happy Valentine's Day. Valentino's Day. Okay. Okay. Valentino's Day. <laughs> Every day is Valentino's Day, right? <laughs> you got it. Folks, I got a feeling we're going to have a great conversation right after this. Hey there. Happy Valentino's Day. Well, Valentine's Day. Anyway, don't forget my pillow and don't forget that special someone. Well, you can get something special from my pillow at www.mypillow.com, promo code GeneV. Up to 80% off on discounts. Go take care of that special summon in your life. Help us out. Help Mike Pillow. Happy Valentine's Day. Hi, friends, and welcome back to our Grassroots Truthcast with our guest today, former Ambassador Carla Sands from the great state of Pennsylvania. What an interesting story you have, Carla. Before I begin, would you want to give us the 30-second commercial on Carla Sands? Oh my gosh, I pinch myself every day, Gene. So I've been blessed beyond my wildest dreams. I grew up in a small town in Pennsylvania. I became a third generation doctor of chiropractic, ended up being a major fundraiser for worthy causes and campaigns. Uh, I also uh, ran our family's commercial real estate company, be, uh, joined uh, President Trump's Economic Advisory Council in 2017. I was his appointed U.S. Ambassador to the Kingdom of Denmark. I ran for the Senate in Pennsylvania, and then I've now joined America First Policy Institute as the Vice Chair for the Center for Energy and Environment, and I'm their Chair for the Pennsylvania State Chapter of AFPI. What a great capsulized summary of your history. One of the things I want to do that's probably not logical, but I would like to look delve into what you did as U.S. ambassador in Denmark first, and then segue back to many of the local political issues we can talk about for another two hours. But I would like to talk about foreign policy, trade policy, business policy, and defense policy as it relates to what you were doing in Denmark Big concern I have today about the way EU, the European community in general, has allowed such a disregard for their, their immigration issue. We have our immigration issue for sure. But what's going on over in Europe and what did you see as um, our emissary over in uh, Denmark? Well, thanks for the question, Jean. First of all, when I was the U.S. ambassador to the Kingdom of Denmark, I set three goals for our embassy. Number one was the safety and security of the American people. Number two was to increase jobs in America, so to increase trade. 
And number three was to build bridges between our peoples and it is a kingdom. So I had Denmark, Greenland, and the Faroe Islands as the three countries that I was working with in that kingdom. And we were wildly successful. Just for an example, we got Denmark to commit more to NATO. We were able to put a consulate in Greenland to increase our, our, our diplomacy in that region. China was all over the place. We worked to counter Russia and China, and we worked to build jobs, grow jobs here at home. And we did that by increasing our trade with Denmark by 45%, according to MIT's uh, measurements. And two quick examples of what uh, we did to counter Russia and China. My team and I worked with the White House to stop the Nord Stream 2 gas pipeline. And we, the only place it was never completed was my area of responsibility. We also worked to counter China. We were able to, to defeat Huawei, the, the Chinese telecom company controlled by the CCP, from installing the 5G throughout the Kingdom of Denmark. But why would the United States be disregarded, it seems, by the European community if we were showing such good leadership? It, it makes no sense to me that... With the protections that we have historically provided Europe, not to mention money, I don't understand why Europe was so quick to allow such reckless immigration, literally the taking over of their streets and cities, their, their, the whole farm, farming production issue moving in a more socialized direction. Uh, I, I, can you jump in and comment on that? Gene, we could talk for hours about these issues. Yeah. I mean, it's really serious. There's a lot of arrogance in the EU, in Brussels, and in their, their state capitals. I think that if you look at, at Europe's, for instance, they made a pledge after, after Russia first invaded Ukraine in 2014. Obama was president, and they made a pledge in Wales that they would all get to 2% by 2024. Well, it's 2024. And I think it's about nine of the 30 plus NATO allies have actually delivered on their pledge to have cash capabilities and contributions, meaning buy the munitions, hire new, new you know, men, mostly some women to defend their country, train them and have these capabilities so they can defend themselves and then come to the defense of their allies in NATO. They're not doing it, most of them. They'd rather let America and American taxpayers, we don't get their free college, their free healthcare, their free, uh, their great lavish pension, their 30 days of vacation in the summer. We don't get that. They expect us to pay, but they're rich. And so it is absolutely unfair. And I believe that reciprocity is a good thing. You treat others the way you want to be treated and that there should be qualifications to the NATO, you know, the NATO pledge of we come to the aid of our allies. Listen, if you're not paying your club dues, you don't stay in the club. So I think there has to be absolutely a different conversation. But the trade is also not fair. They don't treat us fairly. Well, fairly, we, we created NATO back post-World War II yeah. As an expression, another gratuitous and beneficial expression of the United States to help out our European allies. And when NATO was first formed, it then expanded a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Ukraine is now in the hopper being considered. But I don't feel the appreciation. I know America, as I think you'll admit, has had its own mistakes along the way. But it doesn't 
result in or conclude in the fact that they should disregard us in such a way. I mean, they're even at, on our own homelands. They're coming in illegally and then spitting on us with the expectation for money, cell phones, monthly checks, uh, jobs, uh, as if it's a guarantee to them that your ancestors and mine had to wait in line at Ellis Island to become citizens for. And then more recently, at what, six, seven years just to just to qualify to become a legal citizen, we don't see any of that appreciation for America anymore. I'm concerned about what, does NATO have to exist since it's not being appreciated the way it used to be? Well, I think there's value in NATO because there's value in coalitions and alliances. But I think we have to strengthen it. And I think it's going to take a different tone. And a president like President Trump, he got them to give over 400 billion new dollars to to our NATO defense. So that's a good that's a good increase, but it doesn't get us where we need to go, where they actually do have credible defense. I'll just go to Ukraine. I mean, that is not our war. They caused it by, you know, weak defense, by actually receiving their natural gas from Russia. I mean, that was the Nord Stream 2 gas pipeline. And I, I also think, you know, you brought up immigration. Well, Denmark is very hard on immigration. They don't want any illegal immigrants, and they try to send them right back to the country of origin as quickly as they can. But there are many countries that it looks like demographically will become majority Muslim countries and lose their Christian and their, you know, wonderful heritage. I mean, if you look at the Muslim countries, most of them aren't do not have democracy or a republic as we know it. They do they do not have the freedoms that we have, and especially most of them do not allow women to thrive in the way we do in the West. And so there's there are many reasons to preserve our virtuous backgrounds, our glorious history that Western Christian civilization has created that's that's made the whole world so much more wealthy and lifted so many billions out of poverty. I don't understand how or why we have allowed such a, a Muslim Islam culture to infiltrate Europe, as you've just described. I think it's the beginning of a, a mass formation transition uh, throughout all of Europe. And your comment on that in terms of how we look at our alliances in Europe going forward before we even worry about our border. Right. Well, I actually think that our border is the biggest issue. I think we have to secure our border. It was the most secure in my lifetime under President Trump. And we can see that Joe Biden is working with the hard left and the globalist organizations that our tax dollars are funding, whether it's um, the UN or UNICEF, these different uh, organizations that are creating a pipeline of illegal immigrants coming into our land. And they're getting benefits, more benefits than our veterans, our American citizens. It must be stopped. It's the number one issue right now. I, I do believe that the globalist organizations, you mentioned the farmers, are attempting to implement a kind of, they call it net zero or a green agenda. It's not green. It benefits China. It's going to cause starvation in the civilized Western world. India is not doing this. Russia's not doing this. China's certainly not doing this. They're building two new coal-fired plants every week, while Europe and the U.S. are, you know, virtue signaling about energy. It's, 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 it's. It would be too crazy to make it up if you were writing a book or or making a movie. 
if you wrote the movie, it'd be no one would believe you, but it's true. I mean, here John Kerry's out there trying to score, scold us on our energy policy. It's sitting in the backdrop or one or two energy plants per month going up in China to build their war machine. You know what really amazes me? It's going back to the Nixon administration and the Bush administration. We see a willingness to bring them into some sort of alliance. Hey, let's be friends with them only to realize they've taken our resources, our proprietary information, our money, to advance themselves now, Ambassador, at our expense. What say you over in Denmark? Did you see any intelligence that showed that that was going on even over there? Well, of course I did, and you can find it in open source. And I'll just recommend to your viewers and listeners, there are two books I would recommend they read. One is Michael Pillsbury. Michael Pillsbury wrote The 100-Year Marathon, and another book you can read. It's an ancient Chinese book, but it's translated into English. It's Sun Tzu's The Art of War. To understand a little bit about the enemy that we face, Russia is not an existential threat to the United States and to our freedoms. China is. The Chinese Communist Party is the greatest threat to our well-being and to our nation. And so I think we need to understand what the enemy looks like and how they think. Uh, but if you talk to Obama, he'd tell you North Korea is. <laughs> well, if Obama you're... was, you know, I can say it now because the president's talked about it openly. He was about to get us into war with North Korea and the generals were all in on this. But President Trump's historic diplomacy the first U.S. president to go and meet with the head of the North Korean government. He, he, Mike Pompeo worked on this. Robert O'Brien, the NSA, worked on this. And there was no war with North Korea. In fact, President Trump is the first U.S. president in 70 years not to start a new war. He ended wars. He, he defeated ISIS. He created the Abraham Accords, the historic beginning of peace with Israel and majority Muslim countries. So uh, there's there's a lot to be said for President Trump's leadership. And I hope your viewers will actually actively work to help elect President Trump for this November. I, and I thank you for acknowledging that. You know, what I let me pick on you just a bit. Pick <laughs> on me, tongue, go ahead. Tongue in cheek. You were the only candidate for United States Senate that had such an, a background of experience on world trade matters, diplomacy, you had a grip on the pipeline issue over there. You you had a background with your economic background in business sense here in the States, and you could even take care of my subluxation if I needed you to. Well, not anymore, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the truth is you had that experience and you were the only one with American First Policy Institute that stepped up to to convey experiences that the other candidates couldn't compete against in the in your run for U.S. Senate in Pennsylvania. Respectfully, what happened? Well, I don't think that President Trump always gets the best advice. And if I if I had had his endorsement, I would have beat John Fetterman like a drum. <laughs> I, I see that, and with no with no uh, aspersions against uh, Mr. Oz. I thought you were the better candidate when I was following you. I made a point of I made a point of watching you in the Newsmax debate going back about what 2 years now. Yeah. And and you stood out. You were powerful, you were strong and you were on point. 
And my problem is, is what is it about the way we elect people? Are, are, how is it that we, the people, are not being more responsible about the way we pick our, our leaders? What scares me is no matter what you think of, of Dr. Oz, he was beaten by a Fetterman, which I can't which I can't understand. Has our system of party politics usurped the individual's right to make good judgments? Well, I do think that we have the numbers. The people are actually stronger than we realize. We're just not flexing and we're not mobilizing. But I, I you know, Mehmet Oz is a good man. He's not, he, he's a good family man. He, he, he's, you know, created a business, but I think that the party failed him. And I'll tell you why I think this in 2022, the Senate race in Pennsylvania on election day, John Fetterman had banked about a million ballots or votes. Mehmet Oz had about 250,000. It's a four to one ratio in my state. There's 50 days of early voting. And if you take 50 days where you can get people registered to vote, go and collect their ballot, help them either take it into the county board election office or put a stamp on it and put it in the mail, there, that is a lot of time to mobilize. And Republicans go out in a one 12-hour day. They don't know what the weather's going to be like. They don't know if the ballots are going to work, the machines are going to work. And they think they can beat 50 days. Show me anything where 50 to one works. It just doesn't. And so we just lost two specials last night in New York and in Pennsylvania. The, Rep the Democrats had in, in New York nine days, in Pennsylvania, 50 days of early voting. You cannot beat that. You don't know. There's a there's a, a snowstorm to last night in New York. People couldn't get out. So you have to look at the rules as they are, not as you wish they would be. Yes, we want one day voting with ID and count it that day and announce the winner like France, like Argentina does. We don't have that. We have laws in place and we better use every single lever available to us or we are not going to win in November. Oh, boy, you hit the nail on the head, Madam Ambassador. And I couldn't I couldn't have said it better on my website, jeanvalentino.com. I have tongue in cheek, Gene's second bill of rights, an additional eleven amendments to the United States Constitution, the first ten amendments to the Constitution of the first Bill of Rights. And the point is is that in that second Bill of Rights, one day voting, a, a procedure and criteria to becoming an American citizen, a criminal wrong a, the imposition of crimes and penalties against elected officials and their appointees for for not for, for causing harm to this nation, this constitution, and not abiding by uh, the the mandates imposed on them when they took the oath of office. That is not there now. Each one of them skates and gets out. Look what's look at how Joe Biden's walking out from under the the sights of of prosecution because of his alleged mental incapacity. But back on point, and we'll have to talk about that some other time because I think there's a whole plethora of great information you and I can bounce off back and forth with on. I'm interested in hearing more about the next election and where do you see yourself fitting in with the Trump administration? Well, you know, I'm honored to help our cause because this is a big movement and I'm honored to work with America First Policy Institute 
Brooke Rollins, our founder, said she's building a battleship for 100 years. We're just taking over space. We're going to be the, the anchor tenant at the Willard, the Willard just across from the White House. And so this is a long-term commitment that we have America First policies, no matter who's in office. So right now we work with the Senate and the House. We're beginning these state chapters throughout the country because we know our state government can affect us. Their laws can affect us even more than federal laws. And so we are working to make life great for every American to have better, better wages, lower taxes so that they don't groom our kids. I was just talking to the young conservatives at Harvard two nights ago and encouraging them in their quest to turn that very important institution around. And from small things, great things come. And shock creates opportunity. And the shock of removing their president creates a great opportunity, I think, for new things, renewed things like freedom of speech and freedom of, of, of teaching the truth and not indoctrination. So I just got the, the Eagle Forum Award in Pittsburgh a few nights ago as well, talking to conservatives in Western Pennsylvania. And we need every Republican or every conservative as well to make sure that their friends and family are registered to vote. And AmericaFirstWorks.com, this is AFPI's AmericaFirstWorks.com, has has tools. They can sign up for our Telegram channel. They can get trainings from people like former Congressman Lee Zeldin and Grant Stitchfield to teach them how to get their friends and family registered and voting, because we know trusted relationships are the number one way to get people to activate it or to do something. We're talking with Carla Sands, former ambassador to the uh, area of Denmark, Greenland, and, and the Fennel Islands. The um, issues uh, Ms. Sands is bringing up now are started in our conversation today with her role as ambassador, uh, and we transitioned to many of the concerns we all have. I think it's fair to say that we both agree that while we're interested in being gratuitous and generous and caring for the war in the world scene to allies and friends and neighbors and building up these relationships over abroad to protect America's interest at home, we find ourselves being eaten from within. I have less concern about the Ukrainian border right now, Carla, than I do about the Mexican border, and now apparently the northern border of the United States. What say you? No, I agree that securing the border is the most important thing in most voters' minds. And it's the number one responsibility of every elected official, the safety and security of the American citizens. But I'll just say two more things for your listeners. If they're an attorney or they know a young conservative attorney, I hope that they'll reach out to America First Works because we are, hot, we are working to hire and deploy conservative voters on election day we were really caught short in 2020. We didn't have enough firepower and we will have their backs. The left spends hundreds of millions of dollars every election cycle in order to influence the outcome of elections in their favor. And I'll also say um, they can go to Heritage Foundation's Project 2025 and sign up, put their resume in if they'd like to serve in the next conservative or Republican administration. We'll have 4,000 open opportunities to deploy into the federal government as political appointees, and that will help to implement the president's agenda this time. 
and criminal and prosecution for criminal wrongdoing in the intervention of these elections has got to be much more seriously taken and enforced. You say we have to sue them. You have to sue when they are when they behave unconstitutionally. We're not suing enough. We need to be absolutely on it and sue them every single time. It's the only thing that's going to work. Last uh, three minutes of our interview, uh, any final summary comments? Well, first, I just hope that they will vote and they your listeners will vote early. I know that Republicans hate to hear that message. We like that election day. But G- Governor Glenn Youngkin won his governor's race by getting Republicans out to vote early. 60% of the Virginia Republicans voted early and he won. If you want to change the course of our country and you do not want to have happen what happened in 2022 and 2023, where we do not win, and even last night in those specials in Pennsylvania and New York, vote early and let's get this thing done. Let's win and turn our country around and make it great again. Carla Sands, former ambassador to the Kingdom of Denmark, where her economy rose and jobs increased over 43% in that nation and here and at home because of her efforts and her alliances with Denmark and Greenland. I want to thank you, Madam Ambassador, for being with us today. And thank all of you for joining us on another episode of Gene Valentino's Grassroots Truthcast. Thanks, Gene. Thanks for joining us for Gene Valentino's Grassroots Truthcast. Be sure to like and subscribe, and God bless America.